It is good to be here. It really is. We we go where God sends us. And we do the things that God places before us. Because that's that's who we are. That's what we're supposed to be about. It's, it's why he saves us. It's why he calls us to himself. It's why he equips us in salvation. But it's also why he gave us spiritual gifts that we, we find growing and expanding and, and becoming more as we yield to the Spirit, as we exercise them to God's glory through the church, as we bless one another and we are a blessing uh, uh, receive that blessing back from each other. So it's good to be here. And, and we, we still feel like family here because we are family. You realize that, don't you? We don't happen to live close enough to visit too much, right? Amen? Okay, now there's some good things in that. Our uh, daughter and her family had lived uh, several hours away most of the time if they've been married and raising our grandkids up. And they just moved to Clayton about, what, almost two years ago now. And uh, so we've been much closer, and, and that's kind of nice. But, you know, I realize I love my children. I love my grandchildren. And I don't mind if they're coming or they're going. It, either way, I love them. Think about that now. All right, I help you. I love them when they come, and I love them when they go. All right. But see, it, it, it's good because it's family, and the family grows, and the family, the family continues on. My parents passed years ago. I got two brothers that are not here. Sandra's mother passed a year ago. And so, so it, it, we've, we've seen it grow at one end and we've seen it sort of shrink it as it were at the other end. And as reminded as Will was sharing the names of people, I recognize many of those names. And I'm thinking, well, I'm not going to see them here, but, but I will see them. I will see them. And, and I want to make sure we understand that, that this is part of the plan that God created for us. It's okay. Because he, he left us here, He equipped us, He called us, and He sends us, and He uses us, and He blesses us, and we bless others, and it's for a season. And then at the end of that season, it gets even better because He rewards us. And that reward is only partially experienced or seen here, but big time there. It's fullness there, amen? You like that? You said, they, you said that they would respond. They, they, I'm, I'm sorry, maybe I did something. Sometimes I just like to get quiet and see what happens. Okay, all right, all right. My sermon today is from Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 13. It's, it's a familiar passage. It, it, it's, a, it, it's one that I call breaking through the wall. And it's appropriate for homecoming because this year at homecoming, we, we've gathered, uh, we've got a lot of people, uh, we're able to be here and see, and we've already shooken the hands and hugged necks and, and expect to do more, and it's going to be great. We're going to go back and eat, right? I love the fact that we started early because, see, I'm normally starting at, at 11 o'clock, our service, so I've still got a whole hour. I've got a whole, well, actually, i got a little more than an hour, right, baby? I tend to go over a little more, so, but the food waiting... 
But I want us to look at breaking through the wall because what happens is, is in life, it, it's, it's sort of like a race, a marathon. Now, I've never run a marathon. Anybody run a marathon in here? Anybody run over as far as it takes to get someplace and no more? <laughs> I've never run any further than I absolutely needed to, I don't think. Okay. But, 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 but the marathon, the, you, you run and they say, that you get to a point where you've ran and your body begins to tell you, no, right? No, we've gone enough. And they say that you have to, with your mind, tell your body, no, we're not quite done. You've got to push through that wall uh, of where there's there, there's changes in how your body burns the energy and how it uh, uh, you know the muscles give off the energy for you to keep running. I have no clue. I've never been that far down the road. All right, I get a stitch in my side. You remember that? I get a stitch in my side and I quit running before I get to the refrigerator. Okay, it doesn't have to be that far. But 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 when you get there, but you've got to get through that wall. Why? Because the race, the end of the race, is on the other side of the wall. It's on the other side. You, you can't just go a little bit until it feels like, oh, I'm, I'm getting kind of tired. I should sit down and stop for a while. And you can't go, well, I think I've gone enough. And, and I'm, I'm not there, but, but I've gone enough. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop. You, you can't do that either. Because that's not, where the, that's not where the finish line is. And you don't get the reward until you get to the finish line, Right? All those names you've mentioned and so many others who have gone before, they reached the finish line and they have their reward there. And we're talking about homecoming and coming back and celebrating and eating. It isn't nothing like what they're doing. Nothing like that. This is just a taste, right? Let's all go back to the fellowship hall and let's take just a taste. Yeah, I didn't think so. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do it. Not of everything, yeah. And then back around again and around again, okay. Just one body at a time, okay. But no, we, we need to be, do, and we were called to that. But it's not just that it, it's an impossible thing, and it's an inevitable thing. We need to do that. We are called. Well, let's, let's read. Let's read. Hebrews chapter 12. Beginning in verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have come to, in, that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom the father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, 
in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, lift up your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for truth that your word provides, but Lord, we need to be able to understand it. And Lord, your spirit is that which helps us to see and discern that truth, but but also, Lord, how it may impact and affect our lives. Lord, how we should be changed by the truth of your word so that, Lord, as we go forth challenged and encouraged and called, Lord, we will be different, more like you than when we came in. And I pray, Lord, that you would sharpen our minds and soften our hearts that we might see and understand, but Lord, we might believe and obey and we might do it all for your glory. In thy name we pray. Amen. I love stuff like this. It tells us how good God is and that he provides, but also God gives me purpose. I'm looking to retire here sometime. And when you get to that point, you always wonder, well, what am I going to do to fill up my day? All right? And I'm not even going to worry about, well, your wife will have a honey-do list. Well, she has a honey-do list, and I've got a honey-did-not-do list. Okay? And so I'm not really worried about that quite so much, but I'm wondering, well, what's going to, what's going to do? What's going to fill it up? Well, God has got things for us every single day. If, you, if you've reached that point where you've retired from a vocational job, but you still work around the house and you do all that, you do the things you want to do or you have to do, whatever, you, you still got purpose for God. You're, you're an example, you're a testimony, you're a witness in some way all over the place to some people. And, and so we've got, we're called to do that, we're called to be that. And that race runs from the time you find salvation and forgiveness. Remember now what you got, right? You've got forgiveness of sin, right? Which means you now have heaven instead of hell, right? That, that's kind of cool, right? That's kind of big, too. Because that sin actually cost not just uh, somebody, it cost the Son of God who was sinless His life for us. So, so we, we get through all of that and we've got that, but then we're going to move through life, but we've got we to gotta run all the way through. We've got to run all the way to the end. Because that's where the reward is. If you stop somewhere in the middle, go back and read in Matthew Jesus' parable of the sower. He said the ones who started out and didn't finish weren't. Alright? You read that. Don't, don't, don't assume that, uh, uh, that once saved, always saved means more than just what it says. Alright? We, we, get, we get all caught up in that. Well, once saved, always saved. That's right. And that's why my middle brother, who got saved and baptized the same time I did as we were youth back at First Baptist Church in Benel, Florida, we were even baptized outside in a lake, right? We were even more 
first century church than, than, than some. And within a, within a year, he had nothing to do with the church for the rest of his life. And then when he died in a motorcycle accident, I have no confidence he's in heaven. Once saved, always saved, I was told. No. You got to be saved to be once saved. And, and I didn't see that. And so, so we make sure, make sure you don't say that I started the race, right? You don't get a prize. You don't get even get a notification or certificate if you don't show up to the end of the race. We're talking about breaking through. So, so how are we going to run that race? How are we going to run it with endurance? Because remember, since we run it with endurance, which tells me the race is not going to be easy and the race is going to be long and the race is going to require an unimaginable amount of me and even more. So let's go and look at three things, three, three reasons why we can run with, with endurance. And I will keep track of the time a little bit. Don't think that because I look at it, it really means a lot, but I'm going to try to not be here past 12. That's good you didn't laugh because I'm serious. But the first reason is that Jesus showed us how. We run with endurance and we know we can because Jesus has already done it. He starts out. Now, now we're real familiar with this, right? These first couple of verses, we really know what they are. But, but let's look. We are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Now, that means they're not sitting there watching us. I don't think heaven has got a big amphitheater. And they're, is that going to get me over here or i got to stay here? Okay. Maybe it's better if I go further over. Okay. Don't. My, my train of thought. The amphitheater, right? And they're not looking down at us and going, hmm, ah, oh, Allie, oh, not too bad. Oh, yesterday was rough, but today's better, you know? Nothing like that. No, they're the witnesses who have gone on. They're rejoicing in Jesus Christ. They're not over-obsessed uh, with me. They're there rejoicing and praising and worshiping and doing whatever he wants them to do and just being in fellowship. That's, that's where they're at. But we have all of those through history who have gone before us. Some of them way back in the book, some of them in our history books, and some of them in our life's experience. So there they are, and he says, because of that, because of those who have gone before, said, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. It's not every weight of sin. You understand that, right? Because if we're just going to get rid of sin, are we going to run a good race? Say no. Do you talk to them? Okay. It's okay to talk back if I'm like that. Okay. When I was in the, the Navy, we had to do PT stuff, and we had to run. And uh, uh, we got done with work, and we'd have to go out and run a mile and a half in a certain amount of time, and, and we had to do exercises and stuff. And it, it didn't bother me because I was, at, at the same time, it was, it's amazing. It was um, uh, that, that I had a, a bodybuilder's, you know, but I had a runner's, you know, I, I could do it all. Okay, 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 that was a joke. But I'd run in my boots, my steel-toed work shoes. I'd just run in those, right? And, and, and that way it would be easier when I had to do a test. I'd take them off and I'd wear something better. But, but I was running, but I wasn't serious about running. Why? I wore the boots. I wore my dungaree pants. I did take my shirt off and just wear my T-shirt. Right, and we'd run, but I wasn't really serious about it. If I'm going to run, if you if you watch runners who run, now you can go too far, all right. 
But you want to take off some of those things that may encumber you, right? Ladies running in a skirt, anybody ever seen that? It's not a pretty sight, right, for the guys that are watching or anybody else. Don't do that, all right? But but we get rid of those things. But it's not just those things, it's also sin, right? It's a sin. We need to drop the sin. And Jesus didn't have any encumbrances. He didn't have things that held him back from doing what God wanted him to do because that was what he came before in the first place, was to do what God wanted. He lay aside everything. We need to get rid of those things. But he says we run with endurance. And it's a continuous thing. I like it where you have to run a mile and a half and nobody's running beside you. So you can run a little ways and you can stop a little bit and walk, you know. Then you can run a little bit and you try to time it so you get there just before the the limit, right? I don't need to overachieve, right? Why should I run that mile and a half in three minutes? I don't need to do that. I can run it in the 15 they let me do it in, right? Relax. Don't, don't stress anything. Right? Well, no, no. We want to make sure that we run continuously. Sometimes you may slow down a little bit because life is difficult because the road before you is a little uncertain and you need to make sure that you're tuned to God so that you can see what's right there because slow down. And other times it may be nice just gentle rolling and it's open and clear and you can go ahead and stretch out a little bit. That's all right. But you don't stop. You don't give up because why? The race, the reward is at the end of the race. It's still out there. But we look to Jesus. See, now this is the key. Look to Jesus. Right? Uh, I know that Paul said, as I imitate Christ, you imitate me. And I always thought, I don't know if I'm bold enough to tell the people, well, you imitate me because I'm imitating Christ. No, no. I don't want you to imitate what I do in the sense of how I live my life, because I'm a sinner. But I want you to imitate my imitating Christ. Does that make sense? So as I imitate Him, you imitate Him too. And that's what He's saying. And we look to Jesus, why? Because it says He's the source and the perfecter. He's the author, the founder. He's the one who our faith is based on. He's the one who is the source of faith. He's the one who has the sinless life. He's the one who died for us. He is the, he's the name of everything. Paul said if there's no resurrection, we are the most to be pitied, right? It's all of that. That life, that death, that uh, resurrection, the ascension, all of that plays into that, and that's who we have to look to. Now, remember, remember what this has. The, 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 the author of Hebrews has just gotten through telling them chapter 11. You know what chapter 11 is, don't you? It's called the roll call of the faith. The faithful. Those who were heroes of the faith. And he just got through telling you how all these guys are awesome and amazing. And now he's saying, listen, no, no, no. Jesus is better. Because he spent the whole book saying, you've had a faith, you've had a relationship with God, that was good, this is better. Christ is better than anything, he's better than everything. What he ushers in in the new covenant is better because it replaces the old covenant. They don't even have the old covenant anymore, don't worry about that, go with the new. Jesus is where we need to be. So we run like him, we run with endurance because he did. Who ran for the joy of the cross. I'm a little uncomfortable with that. The joy of the cross? He didn't have joy in the suffering he was going to experience. He didn't have joy, oh, I'm going to be beat to to where I'm unrecognizable as a human. And the pain that would go on seemingly until he died. He ran for the joy of obeying God. 
You want joy in your life? It's not the absence of pain. It's the presence of obedience to God's will in your life. That'll bring you joy. You're not happy? You're not obedient enough. You want to be happier? Get some obedience. Get a little bit more in there because that connects us. So it goes on and he despised the shame and now he's at his reward. He finished his race and he moved to where he is by God. And verse 3, consider him who endured such sinners, thumb sinners, such hostility. Consider him so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. How did the author of Hebrews know that I grow weary sometimes? And that sometimes I get faint-hearted in that I'm just not sure I just, I'm not sure I can do. And sometimes I'm not sure I want to keep going. Amen. Sometimes life is difficult. And I'm not talking just living and paying bills and working a job. I'm talking living a life for God. Make sure you understand the difference. Life is difficult all by itself. Just look at all the people who have troubles out there but don't have God. I'm not, that's not it. That's not, it, it's that we have God and we're doing His work. We're doing His call on our lives. That's where it gets difficult. If it was just life, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be near as bad, I don't think. It couldn't be. If you get to roll with the punches and go with the flow, what, I mean, that stuff comes up, but I mean, come on. But if you've got to do what God has called you to do, now that's a different thing. That's the race we have. Everybody else is a spectator. Now, it may get hot watching the race. You may get tired watching the race, and some of them go home early. I don't care. My focus is on the race. Matthew 10. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher, and the servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they malign those of his household? Yeah, they, they didn't treat Jesus well, right? They're not going to treat us well. We see, it, we see it more and more every day out in the public world. Those who stand up and actually live their faith and are visible with their faith and bold with their faith, well, that's, that's like the squeaky wheel. Sometimes it gets greased and sometimes it gets replaced. Well, the world wants to replace those who are going to call out sin and an expectation that God has on all people to honor him. So we want to make sure that we, we understand that we're going to run our race because Jesus did. And the second reason is because we are children of God. It's who we are. I don't look like it, but I'm a runner. I'm a long distance runner. And the older I get and the less I look like it, the closer I am to the finish line. That's, that's the key. That's the key. We're children of God. He starts out in verse 4 and he tells them, listen, in your struggle against sin, you've not resisted to the point of shedding blood, right? You, you haven't done what Christ has done yet. Although we know in history some did. But the point he's trying to make is, is listen, that you, you may not be there, but Christ was there. Because he goes on, do not regard uh, lightly the discipline of the Lord. And he gives a couple of verses where... The, because he loves his children. He chastises his children. Those who are his are his. Those who uh, don't get that aren't really his children. And we think of discipline as something that's bad, right? Did y'all know that one time I had to discipline little Will? 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I had to discipline little Will. And it wasn't that long ago. He needed a little guidance in making sure that he was polite to me. You know how he can get sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they know. They know. They know. I won't go into the sordid details. But the idea is, see, discipline isn't to punish. Discipline comes to train and, and guide. Now, 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 there is the time when it may be discipline is a punishment, where God allows things to happen. And we know from Scripture that sometimes God will send things to people because we've been so disobedient. But it's not the first choice, and it's not the first attempt. Discipline is always to try to bring us in a line. When our kids are little and they do something wrong, you don't just go over there and get a stick and start beating on them because you're mad or angry. No. You let them know what's going on, right and wrong. You give them some punishment or time out or whatever you do or however you do. And sometimes maybe all of it or at different times is appropriate. And then they go on. But you're not trying to just... Get retribution from a little kid who doesn't know better. You're trying to teach them to know better. And when they know better, they're more likely to do better. Amen? Now, some of you who are kids of other people in the room, you didn't have to say anything there. You just keep sitting real still, right? Because mom and dad are watching. That's, I understand that. But we need to make sure that we understand that we're children of God. And he disciplines us because he loves us. You've got a child that, that is three years old and can't read and can't write. May or may not be potty, uh, potty trained. Certainly can't drive a car, get a job, or even ride a bicycle. And can you trust them to go down to the store and, 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 you know, and get you some diet, uh, Dr. Pepper? No, you cannot. But you don't leave them that way. Because they're going to have to grow up. They're going to have to learn. They're going to have to be able to do. And so you train them. And we're not just training them to function in that world. We're training them to to be purposeful and obedient in His world. Remember, we're running the race with endurance. And we do it because we're His children. He loves us. He's going to help us. He's going to help us get rid of those things that encumber us, those things that weigh us down. He's going to help us avoid sin, but that uh, escape that, uh, that every temptation has. He's going to try to help make us look more like Him and less like me. Amen? I love that. I have people look at me and say, well, you know, I'm not really that impressed with you, Brother Will. You know, I mean, you're all right, but, you know, I mean, I know better. You didn't see me 40 years ago. Ah, ah, ah. The only one that knows that is Sandra. And she still goes, oh, how did that happen? But here we are. We're children of God. It needs to make a difference. Children take on the characteristics, the manners, the practices of the parents as long as they love and they walk close i find myself making gestures that i remember my dad doing and you know what i don't go ooh, ooh, don't do that i go that's kind of cool because i i didn't i didn't plan to do that that's just something that kind of popped up but as believers we need to look like our our brother jesus we need to look like our father god And the Holy Spirit helps you. And look at all these people here. Brothers and sisters in Christ. The church. 
We're the ones that help uplift and support and bless and are blessed by each other. You won't make it by yourself. You're not designed to be by yourself. And as a believer, a true believer, you're never only by yourself. No matter how it looks around you. No matter what you think, because we are children of God. It's like a child went to the doctor and the doctor said, you got to have a shot. Now, I hated shots. As a little kid, I, 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 was, I was the Hulk when a needle came around, all right? Uh, I remember one time they actually had to strap me to the gurney. They lied to me. And then somebody snuck up around behind the nurse who was trying to wipe at the bloody place. And they stuck a needle right down in my chin. I let him know what I thought of that. But this little girl sitting there and the doctor comes up and he's got a needle. It looks like something you could kill an elephant with. You know, like one of them hoses or something. And she's sitting there scared to death. And all of a sudden she happens to catch her father's eye and her father's just looking at her. And she's all right. Because he's there. He's going to allow this. It must be okay. It must be good. And so she takes the shot. Yeah. When we look at the world, we're afraid because it's all bad. We look at God and remember that we're His children. He died for us. He called us unto Himself and He blesses us. Not just with forgiveness in heaven one day, but He blesses us with purpose today and every tomorrow that we are here. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Galatians 3.25. And now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. John 1.12. I need that. I was, as Ali said before, children of wrath, disobedient, enemies of God, Scripture calls us. But I'm not. And I've got a race to run for His glory. We can run it with endurance because Jesus showed us how, but also because we are children of God. But last, because God does discipline us. Make sure you understand it. That discipline is so, so very important for us. He starts out in verse 7, and, and he's going he's gonna to lay it out more and more. He's going to say, and, and it's all proving that we're children of God. But make sure that discipline is not just to prove our identity as children of God. It does that, but it is to make us more like God. It's not a sticker you can put on or, or a shirt or a clothes or something. It is a, a, a character from the inside out that reveals who your father is. You begin to talk like him. You begin to act like him. You may be even able to begin to walk like God. Wouldn't that be cool? You get so close to God that you think, well, this is how God walks. And then somebody else says, no, 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 no. God walks like this. And yes, the answer is yes, he does. Why? Because his children become more like him. But he goes through this whole thing. Remember, that there's a purpose for this. Verse 10, For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. But, listen, but he disciplines us for our good. That we may share his 
holiness. That's the key. Make sure, make sure when you, when you look at scripture and you see all the works, they all matter and they all make a difference, but make sure that you don't miss the forest for the trees. The Holy Spirit will help you identify what the trees are, but He also helps you step back and look so you can see a little bit of what the big picture. Now we never see the whole picture, do we? I love the mountains. I love to go out to the mountains and look out across the mountains and see, and I see mountain range and mountain range, and, and I see all these things out into the distance, but I know that there's stuff beyond that that I can't see. And it just goes on and it goes on. And what God has done, it'll go on forever. We'll never see the end of God and who He is and what He has. But we experience it as we go, and He disciplines us because why? Because He wants us to be holy like he is. Other places he says, listen, I am holy, so you be holy. Well, what does holy mean? Holy is set apart. It's the idea that set apart something for God's glory, for God's use. But there is that sense that there's a, there's, excuse me, a purity or a righteousness that's there. It's the idea that it's not just like the rest of the world. No, this is, this is something special. This is something that God uses so He's sort of sanctified it and He's going to take care of it and He's going to use it for special things. It's not just normal, casual things. This is a little bit more than that. If I want any kind of fast food, I can go to McDonald's. Or if I want to wait a while, I can go to Wendy's. But if I want my fast food, which right now is not fast, I go to Chick-fil-A. I like that chicken sandwich. All right? Well, God isn't going to give us something that's just a little bit. God's going to want to put us like Him. And trust me, I hope you don't take this wrong, right? I hope you don't take this wrong. We're not very holy. We're not. I just had somebody just tell me this morning, says, yeah, they're, they're learning life, and they're learning from experience, and they're learning that I thought I was kind of up here. Not real great, but kind of, you know, not so bad. And I realized I was here. And I thought if his arm had been any longer, it may have gone a little further. And I'm thinking, yes! Yes, you know me, don't you? Yeah. Because my opinion of me usually is a little bit higher than it is. Now, I know that y'all are thinking that's hard to, hard to imagine, right? They don't, they don't respond well, do they, anymore? Okay. We need to run the race with endurance. Because Jesus has showed us how. Because we are children of God. And because God disciplines us, He equips, trains. He's the coach that's guiding us. It's like a man who came up to the park and there was two boys fighting right off the side of the path. And then another man came up and reached over and separated the boys and took one boy off over here and gave him three or four good whips. And the man was a little indignant. He says, "Well, he came over and he said, listen, why, why on earth would you... Why would you, you spank this one and discipline this one, but not do this one? Why do you just do one? And the man said, well, he's not my son. This one is my son. So sometimes it, it's where we get wrong. God loves us enough to, to help tell us. But even when things are going fairly right, which God is still going to steer us. 
He allows you and I to experience things. I, I, I'm not sure what, why, why that? Well, there's a, there's a discipline in that. Because I come out more like God. If I trust God going in. See, you can't just live life and go, God, I don't feel like I'm that much closer. Why did all that bad stuff happen? Well, no, you, you've got to do a little something too. You've got to trust and obey. And then everything works that way. Remember, what, what, what's at the end of the race? It's the finish line and the reward. There's a homecoming that still awaits us. Still awaits us. Proverbs 3.11. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father of the son in whom he delights. You hear what that says? The first thing I got out of that when I read that? God delights in me. Maybe no one else. But God, the one who really matters, delights in me. So we celebrate homecoming. We remember the, the, those that are here. And we, we, we have a, a memory and a prayer for those who are not. But remember, God isn't losing anybody. He's bringing them home. And our purpose, while we are still here... It's to run our race and to run it with endurance. And you can. You can do it by coming to worship, by coming to small groups, Sunday school, whatever it is, by studying your own Bible on your own, by singing in the, the group if they'll let you in. They're kind of a small, closed group. You notice that? I noticed that. I think it's a family thing. I think. But there's all kind of ways. You can witness. You know one thing you can do? I'll, I'll tell you this and I'm going to be leaving, right? Because it's getting... No, we still got a half hour. I, uh, uh, you go out to eat. The next time you go out to eat, right? And you're sitting down and there's a waiter or a waitress coming up. They're going to take your order and then they're going to go away and, and put it in and do this stuff. What you do is, is you ask them, I'm going to pray or we're going to pray for our meal in just a minute. Is there anything that we can pray for you while we do that? And then they'll tell you, and then they'll leave. And then you pray, and then you pray for them too. You would not believe the difference that can make in somebody's day. We did that just a little bit ago, and I had a young girl just start almost crying. Didn't share a whole lot, just a little bit, and had to have a hug. She, she couldn't believe somebody actually cared enough about her. A stranger! That's running your race. Now, I didn't tell her the gospel story to Roman Road, but I showed her that God has people on the earth who love her and will lift her up before Him because God loves her too. That's all it took. There's a thousand things. You don't have anything to do, you pray about it. You can't figure something out, you come down to little Will. He'll tell you a big old list, won't you? Yeah, make something up. It'll be good. Just live your life for Christ. Live it. Be holy. Run with endurance. You're going you're gonna to stand out so much, the world will come to you and want to know what makes you different. And you tell them it's Jesus. Because it is Jesus. So we need to make sure that we have the faith of Jesus. Right? You, you've got to be saved to be a 
child of God. Remember, that, that's the whole purpose of this, right? So it, it's not that one saved, always saved. It, it, it's I was saved and I am saved, right? And I'm living the life. I, I'm doing the best I can. Not perfect, but I'm still striving, trying, aiming. you got to be saved to be the child of God. That's, that's good stuff. And then strive to look more like your heavenly father. Well, I can't see him. I don't know. Maybe we have a better glimpse than we think. And just look at the mirror. Look at the mirror someday and get up and look at the mirror. And you can pick an early morning or later in the day, whichever one you think is your best look. And stand there and say, would, would God look like that? Would he wear that? Would he dress like that? And then you, you look back at your day and you say, okay, this is the day I had. Would God have done that? Would God have done it that way? Would God have gone there? And would those have been God's best friends? And it's amazing how we, we don't actually have to see God, but the spirit that's within us is going to help point us toward God enough that we can figure out how he looks. And I have it on very good advice that God looks a little bit like me. Not a lot. Or better yet, I look a little bit like God. Not what you see, but who I am and what I do. That's what makes the difference. Those are things we need to do. And then embrace God's discipline. Gosh, how many of y'all are married or have been married? Right? Anybody married over 100 years? Okay, I've got one that said it feels like it, all right? I understand that, all right? So we've been married just over 44 years, right? I like to say almost 45 years, all right? And for some people who are this young and attractive, all right, I don't know how that could happen, right? At that, that age, it was illegal, you know, normally. But we've been blessed, and we've been together all this time. And can you imagine... There are still things about each other that every once in a while we have to kind of bring up. Well, because we're not perfect yet. But we love each other enough that we we want everything to be better. We want each of us to be... and, And I don't want her to be better by my standard. I want her to be better by God's standard. Because I'm not her judge. Nor is she mine. God, though, is. And I, I want her to stand before him and hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. And I want to hear it too. So God disciplines us, so that'll be what we look forward to. That's what is coming. So you may feel like you've been running forever. Whether you're thinking about this particular short thing or life or just it, Whatever. And there's still so far to go. I don't know how long I'm going to live. I got this idea that we decided, or I decided, and she agreed, that we're not sure which one of us should go first. Right? Because we're getting a little older and things happen. And so we talked about that, and we decided that we're not going to do it that way. We decided that we're going to just, in our own minds, have an interest that we're going to be in our mid-90s. We're still going to be in pretty good health. We'll like most of our kids and those following. And then the Lord's just going to come back. Amen? Whoosh! 
That's what we need. That's what we need. But it may not be that way. I don't know. But I need to keep running the race. We all do. We trust in God and the Spirit. We embrace the encouragement and the accountability that the church brings us. And we know that God loves us. And that's what it needs. So if you have that relationship, praise the Lord. Now make sure that you've got your running shoes on and you get those things that can entangle you. What can entangle you? Family, job, money, position, house, uh, 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 all kind of things can slow us down from God. You know, Scripture says that anything comes between you and God becomes your idol. And that's a sin. So get ready and get running. Get running. I'm not sure where to run. That's fine. Just go out the door. And you can go right or you can go left. As long as you're not like on a cul-de-sac, right? Okay. And just start running. You go wherever you go every day. You go run there. You come to church, run. You go out to the grocery store, run. Run anywhere, run everywhere. You run to God and you run for His glory. But if you don't have that, you need that. And if you're sitting here and you're thinking, you know, I don't know about that. It doesn't seem to be very important to me. It's not pressing. I I don't need to worry about it now. I'm not sure I believe that stuff. Okay. Well, just know that it will make a difference at the end if you've ran or not. But God loves you and he wants you to be his. And so if you've got a little voice that's going, you know, I'm not sure and trying to tell you, that very well could be God's voice telling you how much he loves you and that he wants to have that relationship with you. Don't, don't put it off. We're going to stand and sing in a minute. Will's going to be here. If, you, if you've got a decision, if God is talking to you, you say yes to whatever it is. You say yes. That's always the right answer when God calls you. Let's pray. Father, you guide us in these moments. And Lord, I pray that, that every decision that you are calling for would be made in these next few minutes. But Lord, if for some reason we put it off, if, if somebody's not really sure already, I pray, Lord, that you would give them opportunity again. Because Scripture teaches us that your Spirit doesn't vie with us forever. And Lord, we have no guarantee of another day's life. But I pray that you would be glorified even in what we do. And we thank you and we love you. In thy name we pray. Amen.